Hey, bosses, real quick before we get started, I want to let you know about our sponsor, Indeed.com. They are the number one job search and job posting platform out in the US. We'll tell you more about them during the break. Welcome to the Invest Like a Boss podcast. I'm Sam Marks. And I'm Johnny FD. We're self-made entrepreneurs who invest our own money and use modern technology to invest like a boss. Join us each week for exclusive interviews with our network of modern investors, business owners, and multimillionaires to discover new ways to invest our hard-earned cash. Hey, bosses. This is Johnny FD, and welcome to episode 151 of Invest Like a Boss podcast. I'm still here in Aragon Bay, Sri Lanka. Sam, where in the world are you? Hey guys, I'm here in clammy South Carolina, summertime, but I'm at peace. I'm in a nice, in the, in the new community where I bought the house, not moved in yet, but uh, making all the arrangements for it. And um, I'm really excited. Nice. So are you renting a place in that community or how's that working? No, I'm living in my parents' basement, Johnny. Thanks for asking. Oh, nice. Classy, classy, <laughs> bossy, bossy. Yeah. I was supposed to be moved in by now, but they are building, the, the people that we bought the house from are building a new house. And with COVID, that house has gotten delayed. So my move-in date has been pushed from September to uh, the end of October. But I'm here buying all the furniture, you know, doing some landscaping work and stuff. It's, uh, I'm nesting, buddy. <laughs> so you're kind of doing them a favor by letting them stay, right? Like legally, they probably, you're not probably not, not obligated to let them stay. Absolutely. Yeah. I kind of used it as, as negotiating leverage. She basically said, Hey, we want, you know, we want it at this price with that extra lot, but if you can do that, we'll give you an extra two months to, to live in it rent free. Uh, and they took it, which is good, but that the value of that to me right now is so significant because I, I you know, it's COVID. I want to be out of the apartment. I want to be out of my parents' basement. I want to be out of hotels. I want to yeah. be in the house. So Really, I, I probably would have been willing to pay an extra five or ten thousand just to get in straight yeah. away. Yeah, wow. All hindsight. So, how far is your parents' place from your new property? Oh uh, man, it's uh, it's probably a fifteen-minute walk or oh, a perfect. five-minute, yeah, five-minute golf cart ride. Like we're going to go buy a golf cart. Got <laughs> electric scooters in here. I got a a, a retro motorcycle. Like everyone just rides around in golf carts and drinks wine and has their dog in the golf cart. It's a super cool community. I love it already. Yeah, that's fantastic. And actually that that's the perfect uh, buffer distance because if you were too close where they can just walk by, you know, and just drop by you know, within block, that's, that's a little bit too close for comfort, but that five minute yeah. buffer, it, it does give you a little bit more private space. Yeah. And it's perfect. It's like the perfect distance where they drive by and drop off cookies and apple pie, have a glass of wine, and then we part ways for the night. But Johnny, you know, I've been watching your story, of course, talking to you each week about your experience in Sri Lanka and the, you know, I think you and I are always drawn to a little bit more of the quieter sides of life and the quieter places. And this place, you know, in comparison to all the other places I've, I've stayed and lived in the USA, yesterday morning, I got up at 7 a.m. I was at the golf course at 7.15, hitting, hitting range balls, and I teed off at 7.30. It cost $17 to play nine holes with a cart in this mountain golf course. And I had the wow. whole course to myself. It was so wow. magical shot my best round of golf ever. Um, and I was home by, I was home by eight fifty five. finished with golf with a coffee and, uh, doing some work on the porch. It was amazing. This morning I got up, it's now eight forty here. 
I got up at seven. I did yoga on the patio and I went paddleboarding out on the lake, pristine, beautiful mountain lake. Uh, and I'm just out there in the middle of the lake by myself. It's like, dude, I, th- wow. I think I, I think I've cracked it. I think this That's was a amazing. really good decision. Yeah. You know, it's funny is I'm here, this, you know, beautiful place, surf paradise. And I cannot stand the noise sometimes, you know, the, there's just traffic. I mean, where we live is actually pretty quiet, but then you have think random things like the mosque plays the, that they're called a prayers like five times yeah. a day, starting at 4.30 AM. And then the other night, the neighboring hotel had a party and they're blasting techno music until 4 a.m. And I was laying in bed mm. thinking like, oh man, like, you know, I, like, I, I can't stand this. And then the funny thing is I remember I was listening to it for a bit and I was like, you know what? This is actually really good music. I just don't want to hear it when I'm going to sleep at 4 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> and I no right. longer appreciate it. You know, like when I was 19, I loved it. I loved going to all night raves until 6 a.m. You know, what Bill Perkins talked about, he, you know, he, which he still did in his, uh, 40s and 50s with Dan Blazarian, but it's something that I'm just so over and I just want to be in a quiet place. So maybe moving to a retirement community is the key. It's actually retiring early. Yeah. And it, it, there is, Hey, I'm retired and uh, I'm 35. So age, you know, it doesn't really matter. We got some youngsters in here, but listen, I, next time you're in the States, you got to come check it out. We've been saying it, you know, since we started recording this podcast that I wanted to get you here to check it out. And, uh, I really do think that this is, this is a spot. This is definitely a spot for people like you and me in, in the U.S. You know, there's, there's other places outside that we like, but spending time here in the U.S. is really, really high quality, very high yeah. quality. And it all goes back to the Bill Perkins episode. Like you said, you know, as you get older, things, things change. Um, and I'm reading a lot of philosophy right now, going back to, you know, what the, the Greek philosophers said two, 3,000 years ago. And it, it all, like, it all ties in. It's all about doing less, acquiring knowledge, acquiring wisdom, not rushing through life, you know, and like, and all, all these qualities of life that you and I are, are kind of slowly discovering on our journey, journey uh, in investing, but also around the world. Well, speaking of, of the journey, I think a, uh, I stumbled upon location arbitrage and all the benefits of it. But I feel like the rest of the world, especially in the U.S., they're seeing the benefits of it now, even just leaving the big cities like New York and San Francisco and having a mass exodus to smaller towns uh, and places you know, like where you are, where the cost of living is so much lower, there's less traffic, there's less headache, you get more open space, you get nature and you get it for a quarter of the price. And you get, in my opinion, uh, depending on what you're looking for, you get better people right? The problem with expensive places is there's expensive people and expensive people typically live a life of expectations instead of appreciations. There's definitely networking benefits being in expensive places, but that's not what I'm looking for right now. I'm looking for good conversations, wholesome people, good hospitality, good conversations. Uh, and that's, that's what I find here. hundred percent. Yeah, I, I could definitely see that. And nowadays, you know, in 2020, I mean, even starting a few years ago with the ability to work online, you know, uh, packages being delivered really worldwide now and being able to buy everything, uh, you know, really wherever you are, we no longer mm-hmm. have all the downsides of living in a small town and being cut off from all the good things. Yes, completely agree. And there's, 
there's more and more interesting things popping up in all the small towns across the USA. Great boutique coffee shops, co-working spaces, CrossFit gyms. Like you can go to these, these towns that have basically nothing in them. And that's like, those are the pillars of that town. It's like when you go to Ireland, you walk across Ireland or anywhere in Ireland, you find these small towns that only have a pub and a church. That's it. People cook all their food. They go, they drive 30 minutes to find a grocery store or a restaurant, but there's a church and a pub in every single one of those small towns. <laughs> yeah. I, I think it's because, you know, I mean, maybe entrepreneurship uh, is growing, but also just everyone's more connected now. So it used to be possible that someone lived in a small town and didn't even know what CrossFit was or, you know, didn't care now or, you know, didn't really never, maybe never even had a good coffee or, or cared about, you know, uh, nice ambience and kind of that that vibe of a chill coffee shop, but now I feel like even people in smaller towns are you know so well connected. They have Instagram, they have Pinterest, so they see what's nice and they're like, oh, you know what? Why why can't we bring that here? Hundred percent, yeah, that's exactly it. And also, a lot of these people that grew up there went into the cities, maybe may have done well, and decided they want to go home, but my hometown's missing this or that. And then they decide, well, you know, I'm just going to build that business there and I go back and be able to utilize it, but also bring it to the, bring it to that town and enjoy the town more. Yeah. I like it. So I don't blame the people leaving the big cities. You know, I think especially places like New York, people have known it was overpriced and that there was a lot of headaches. There's traffic, there's crazy people. It's just that the upsides were so much higher than the downsides that people accepted it. They're like, yeah, I know it's a piece of crap sometimes, but you know, great restaurants, great theaters, great, you know, uh, networking and just lots to do. And now that everything's shut, you know, they just see the, the downside. They just see the cramped spaces. They see, just see the crazy people. They just see, you know, the high cost of living and they realize, Hey, let's make a move. Let's give this a shot. And I, I, I don't think people are going to go back anytime soon. What, what are your predictions? Well, there's, there's definitely debates on both sides. I've been a firm believer that remote work is going to be an increasing part of, of the global workforce, that the digital nomad movement is going to increase even for families as education becomes increasingly online. And on the other side, a lot of people think that COVID's going to pass and people are going to forget all about it and everyone's going to rush back into the cities. Uh, and there's certainly an aspect that Industries are usually centered around cities and a lot of, you know, that super ambitious people um, are going to tend to still want to be centralized in a city. But I think increasingly people are going to absolutely be moving out of high cost zones uh, that don't add a tremendous amount of lifestyle benefit. So if you're, you know, if you're a surfer and you love San Diego, you might stay in San Diego. It's a great place to live, but San Diego is more of a, it's a big town, but it's, it's more of a lifestyle town, right? Yeah. So New York, Chicago, like some of these big cities, LA, uh, where, where there's big, like lots of crime, um, lots of political unrest in, in different ways. Yeah. I think people are going to be moving out of these for a long time coming. Keep in mind, like right now, New York, real estate transactions are down like 60%. A lot of that's because they can't show uh, they can't show properties, but on the reverse side, the Hamptons property transactions are up 200%, right? Mm. So people are going out of the city. They still have access to New York if they need to, but they're going to live out 
side of the city. Um, so we just did a poll in the boss lounge. You guys can check it out where we pulled everyone. We asked them this question. We said, if you were making or are making $150,000 a year and have the ability to work remote, what would your preference be? And the options were live in a big city most of the year, live in a small city like a uh, Boulder or a uh, Chiang Mai most of the year, um, or be a, or, or um, live outside the city in a suburb most of the year, or be a digital nomad and mix it up between those, those preferences throughout the year. And overwhelmingly, people uh, said that they would be uh, more of the digital nomad and basically be lo location independent most of the year, which was, which was really interesting. Um, and yeah, John, that, that, now that you're, you're in your late 30s, where would you fall into that? I didn't see your vote. <laughs> well, what's funny is I remember there wasn't a, an option for me where... I want to be, so there's so many benefits of being a digital nomad or being location independent. And then we'll get into the cost benefits, the tax benefits, but a big part of it is just being able to see the world and have unique experiences. And, and, and it's, it's like I'm traveling full time yet. I'm getting the benefits of, you know, of, of being home and saving money as well. It's, it's weird. It's, I think it's a, it's kind of this weird gray zone hack that I'm really fortunate to have fallen into, but I think it's going to close in the next few years. You know, I think uh, the tax breaks are going to end up going away. Uh, I think the super low cost of living in places like Chiang Mai, Thailand, or, you know, these kind of und undiscovered uh, places, the prices are going to even out. I mean, it's kind of like the EU once every country That's goes right. to the, to the Euro, and there is, you know, easy tra you know, travel within the countries, prices kind of just end up you know, reverting to the mean and prices kind of go up everywhere. It mm -hmm. doesn't make sense that there's these little hotspots in the world that have amazing nature, amazing food, amazing people, but rent is, you know, 400 bucks a month for a luxury apartment. It just doesn't make sense, you know, and right. being there, <laughs> we, we get a, you know, crazy tax break. Like, it's, it, and, yeah. you know, we can still earn US dollars. It just it's one of those stories we're going to tell our kids or we're going to talk about in the boss lounge 10 years from now, but like, Hey, remember when, you know, a savings account paid 15% interest, you know, or like, you know, <laughs> the treasury bonds paid, you know, like 9% interest. Like it just, it doesn't really exist yeah. anymore. Remember those years in Thailand and Ukraine when we were living off of a thousand dollars a month, but making 15,000 through our U S <laughs> sources <laughs> and not getting taxed on it. Yeah. yeah. But I do think that, that the, the amount in the population, the percentage of the population that is actually able to do this in a meaningful way is so minute still. I, I always overestimate the size, the amount of people that are doing this because you and I are doing it. Yeah. But I mean, on, on one I hand, I, mm -hmm. yeah. Like on one hand, like our friends are mostly location dependent already. So we do have that bias, but at the same time, I'm pretty sure most jobs can be done remotely, you know, and, and not, you know, I, I've realized not everyone's meant to be an entrepreneur and not everyone should be an entrepreneur, but everybody, I would say, you know, a big percentage, I, I don't know if it's 20, 30, 40, 50, or 80% of people, you know, can work remotely. Most people we know aren't, you know, physically manufacturing anything anymore. I mean, the U S hardly even has an industry anymore. People do everything on from a laptop. And if you could, if you could do it from a laptop in Silicon Valley or in New York, 
why can't you do it from a laptop in Chiang Mai or Sri Lanka? Yeah, I, I think I think though that most the people, a hundred percent, that a lot of new, quote unquote, digital nomads are are emerging today because uh, of COVID and just remote workers. But most of the people in the U.S., my buddies in the U.S. that are now able to work remote, they're not going overseas. They're like, man, I'm going to move from Chicago to like the lake. like 30 minutes up to the lake like suburbs or i'm gonna i'm maybe thinking about going out to boulder colorado you know like to 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 them people in their mid-30s i think that have never really been abroad and now have the ability to work remote to go over to say like shang mai is still such a foreign conquest right yeah uh and people get rooted you know people get rooted they get houses they get cars they get networks uh around them they get you know they're living close to their family and to go and do a year abroad is it's it's less pra- i just think it's less practical i think you and i are actually more comfortable abroad just because that's where we've you know, that's basically how we created ourselves right that's yeah I, I took i do think that the only way people will be comfortable moving abroad is if they, if they either if they first or decide to do it, you know, uh, tangentially, I guess, uh, tantamally is, uh, start focusing on minimalism. Like if I had a U-Haul full, full stuff, there's no way I would be living abroad. But the fact that mm-hmm. I travel carry on only means that even though tomorrow at 9.30 a.m., I'm moving uh, cities, I'm moving, you know, three and a half hours away, which in the U.S. is, you know, it's quite a big move. It's at least moving cities, sometimes even moving states. I haven't packed anything yet. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I'm not worried because I know I just have a carry-on bag. So I can just you know spend 20 minutes and throw everything in there. And it makes my life so right. much easier. The fact that everything is online, everything's in the cloud, I don't stress. My MacBook Air finally broke after seven years. I've been lugging around that 20, you know, 2013 MacBook Air, finally broke. Mm-hmm. I'm in Sri Lanka on the East Coast in a tiny little surf village. But within four days, I managed to get a brand new 2020 MacBook Air sent to me. I didn't have a backup at all because my external hard drive happened to also be shot. Uh, so I just have to reinstall everything. But because most things are connected to my Gmail or my iCloud, I logged in and you know, 90% of the things are there. And I just had to be download, you know, Zoom, be download Hearthstone and a couple other things. But you know, mm-hmm. I didn't lose any documents or anything. Everything was still there. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. And that's a good point too, because I think again, a lot of people I know from experience that it's an uncomfortable feeling when you're paying rent or mortgage here and living abroad and paying elsewhere. And I didn't have that until last year. I had nothing in the U.S. and living abroad was super easy. But as soon as I came to the U.S. and I was paying $2,200 a month for an apartment and 1000 a month for a car lease. And then I went abroad. I'm, every day I was in Lithuania. I'm like, oh, this sucks. Like I'm paying double rent, double everything. Even though everything in Lithuania was dirt cheap, it was still like this nuisance and thorn in my ass. It was like, I'm double paying for everything right now. So I think to make that experience the most comfortable and most pleasurable, you gotta, you gotta get rid of all of your liabilities as much of your liabilities as possible. Yeah. I mean, definitely don't be paying double rent. I mean, if mm. the, the only thing I would even consider paying is for a storage unit, you know, just, mm-hmm. just, and even just for a year, just to, you know, and say, and I almost guarantee that in a year you're going to go back and you're going to get rid of 99% of the things in the storage unit anyways, realizing you didn't need it. <laughs> but 
it's kind of a, an easy transition to kind of put everything there first. And maybe if you want, really want to keep your, um, you know, your Google Fi number or something to, you know, if you're going to be traveling um, yeah. quickly and you want to keep your number, go ahead and do that. But even that, you know, I'm like, wh- why would I pay 40, 50, 60 bucks a month for Google Fi, you know, for three gigabytes of data when I could put in a local SIM card here in Sri Lanka for, you know, 15 bucks and get 60 gigs of, de- of, of 4G? Yeah, if you're staying in places longer term like you, I think there's no need to. Me, I'm a little bit quicker to move about. And I love just getting off the plane and crossing the border and my phone already, it's already working, connected. Yeah. Emails coming in. It's great. Yeah. T-Mobile, baby. Global data. Yeah. So there's a- I'll ever give them. Yeah. So there's a bunch of hacks and, and tics, tips and tricks for actually, you know, traveling and living overseas, but let's talk about some of the actual benefits of it. And then let's talk about kind of the big point of this episode uh, about the foreign investments. But regardless, if you're, you know, just saying Airbnbs, hotels, you know, or local apartments, there are huge tax breaks and benefits and cost living benefits, especially for Americans, but really for any one of any country where you're, where you're paying taxes. But let's, mm-hmm. let's, let's start with Americans because that's what we, uh, what we have experience with. For sure. So first one's got to be taxes. Yeah. For, uh, and this is something I, I didn't really think about because when I first moved, I wasn't making any money. You know, if you're making less than 10 grand a year, you, know, you basically don't have to file. Uh, and that was a nice little break. But then once I started you know, earning money, I realized, hey, as long as I stay out of the country for 330 days of the year and only go home to visit friends and family for 35 days or less, I, get, I qualify for something called the Foreign Earned Income Exclusion, which gives us $107,000 tax-free per year. There's some caveats to it, but... No uh, federal income tax for up to $107,000 a year. And it keeps going up every year. That's insane. Right there, if you, you know, even if you just make, you know, if it, on just that amount, the potential savings is like 30 grand, which is it's ridiculous. Which is, yeah. And that's like how much I spend the whole year living abroad, including my <laughs> flights. So it's like basically the government is saying, hey, oh, you don't want to, you know, <laughs> you're not here most of the year no worries. We'll pay for your flights. We'll pay for all your food and your combination and all your travel, you know, wh- whatever you want to do. You get 30 K a year for free. Do whatever you want. Have fun. God, you know, I, I was thinking about how much money I need to make right now to support my lifestyle. Cause last month I spent 16,000. Oh um, yeah. It's, it's expensive here in the USA, Johnny. Uh, this month I'll spend, I'll spend less cause I'm living in my parents' basement, but I typically average out about 10,000, right? So it, when I'm in the US. So oh. that means I need to make what? I need to make about 13, I need to make 13 to 14,000 a month, right? I need a, mm-hmm. let's just say I, I had a paycheck. I need a 13 to $14,000 a month paycheck. So I need to make over 150,000 a year. But uh, that's if I'm paying taxes. But mm-hmm. if I'm not paying taxes on that, then you can just make 10 grand. Um, and then also you're not living in the U S which probably means more than likely, unless you're living in Singapore, Hong Kong, Paris, London, uh, Munich, a couple other cities, you're living less expensively 
than you would be in the USA. So you can make a lot less as well. Yeah. But just to add on to Johnny's point, foreign in, uh, earned income tax exclusion also gives you a housing credit. And if you have a spouse, which I know you don't yet, Johnny, but if you have a uh, spouse, they can also make uh, the same. It, so basically, you, you know, you could, you can arrange it in all different types of ways. Basically, John, if you had a lot of earnings, you could pay your spouse that much, you know, half of it. And you can, so basically as a household, you can make 250,000 tax-free between wow. the tax Four credits million. and the, the housing, the housing allowance. That's right. That is crazy. I mean, I know people out yeah. there salivating right now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, cause especially if you're an entrepreneur and you, you know, you have your own business, why not have some of those 1099s go to your wife? <laughs> and right. Yeah. Uh, that, that's a great hack. Mm -hmm. So there you have it. Yeah. No, that's, so, a, that's a big one. And I think next year also, I haven't been able to take advantage of that for the last four years, five years since, cause I haven't had earnings, but, uh, <laughs> but next year, I, once Barcelona set up, my plan is to to live there and I should be able to, should be able to start taking advantage of it again. Okay. I like it. So, uh, 330 days a year out of the U S the reason why the government gives us this tax break is it, it makes logical sense. We're not in the U S we're not using the roads. We're not using the infrastructure. We're not using the, the services. So why pay tax on it? So it makes sense. Mm -hmm. And I hope this, you know, this, uh, tax break doesn't go away. But my fear is as the world gets more internationalized and it becomes easier to live abroad and work abroad, that they might just, just look at it and say, oh, there's all this money we left on the table. Let's, you know, let's screw people and, and just, just stop, you know, stop giving this tax credit because it's a perk. It's not, you know, it's not like a human right, I guess. Um, but I, wor I worry about <laughs> that. It's hard. I worried. never really had uh, yeah. <laughs> It's, a, it's saying that right. anyways. Yeah. <laughs> it's a human right to pay taxes. Uh, but the, here's a caveat uh, for, for those who uh, aren't familiar. You still have to pay state taxes. So if you live in California or New York or anywhere else that has a, you know, a state tax, especially a high one, the, the $107,000 tax credit doesn't apply to it. So instead of paying, you know, 30, 40%, to the Fed and then another 10% to California. Now you, you're just paying the 10% to California. So it's not as bad. But what I did and what I would recommend to everyone else is, especially if you don't plan on moving back to that high tax state when you're done nomading and done traveling, just move, you know, before you start. Uh, and my tax accountant, she just, she told me uh, it's actually good to even file a partial year move. So if you move in, you know, October, file that year with a two month tax credit, you won't get that much money uh, back, but at least the, the, the state knows that you've left. So I moved yeah. to Texas. That's the, the state I plan on residing in if, you know, and when I move back to the U S full time and I stop traveling and living abroad, but Ta Texas is a tax-free state. Florida is a tax-free state. There's a ton of them. Uh, and why, you know, why keep paying California for services that you're not using? And especially if you're not planning on living there in the future. Yeah, no, you wouldn't, which is, uh, so yeah, the, the state, state tax stuff is, is finicky and you gotta, you gotta be careful and plan that well. And for everyone that is outside the U.S., this whole thing might sound funny to you, but the reason why uh, there is this loophole to begin with is because the, the USA taxes people on global 
income. So if you're from Britain or if you're from Australia, wherever, and you're living abroad and making money uh, while, while living abroad, you're not going to owe tax in your home countries, I believe, anyways. There's, so there's already major benefits uh, if you're not American to be living this lifestyle and living abroad and making, making money from your home country. Um, yeah, don't but fact I, check me on that 100%, but I'm, I'm very certain that that's, that's true. Yeah, and it is true. And for other countries, a lot of times they don't have to pay any tax, but what is recommended mm-hmm. is to find a very low cost uh, tax country to, you know, as a, you know, so, so for Americans j- just, you know, just found the U S and can, you know, continue and use these tax breaks. But for, as a non-American, don't go six years without filing taxes anywhere. Find a place like Estonia, you know, or some other country with either, you know, zero or 1% tax and just file there every single year. Uh, and that way you can tell your home country, like, no, I haven't been skipping out. Look, I, ha- I filed my tax returns for the last six years through Estonia or through you know, XYZ country. And that way uh, you're, you know, you're kind of safeguarded in case, you know, in case the IRS comes back with an audit. Yeah, I agree. That's a good, that's a good uh, strategy. Um, one other thing to mention on the foreign earned income tax exclusion, what Johnny's talking about is the the absolute uh, measure, which is the 330 days you need to be outside the US. There's also one called the bonafide foreign resident, which is, it's basically abstract, but it says that you just need to be able to prove that your main residence is not in the USA. Uh, So that's actually the one that I'm planning to do next year in Barcelona, where I'll probably spend six months in Barcelona, but I might still spend three months or 90 days in the USA uh, visiting family and things. So as long as you can prove, hey, I have a, you know, I have a resident there, I have a cell phone, gym membership, that's my, my main base of life, um, you, you can spend more time in the USA. It's just not as cut and dry. So Johnny, getting into your, you know, what you might end up doing, um, buying a place in Sri Lanka, that actually might work for you. And if you wanted at that point, you could spend more time in the USA. Hey bosses, I wanted to tell you about this week's sponsor, Indeed.com, the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. So right now, there is a huge movement of remote work. And if your business is hiring, you have the potential of reaching people across the US for your job. But either way, if you're hiring locally or remote, you only have to pay for what you need and you can pause your account at any time and there's no long term contracts. Unlike other sites, Indeed, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over you're hiring. So right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 ad credit at Indeed.com slash ILAB. That's I-L-A-B. This is the best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash ILAB. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through September 30th, 2020. Yeah, and definitely talk to your tax accountant. Uh, actually, don't talk to your tax accountant. Talk talk to a expat tax accountant who who deals with this stuff <laughs> because it is complicated. To be honest, it's it's um it's not that cut and dry. Uh, but speaking of living overseas and investing overseas, it's funny that you have mentioned your Phuket condos a, f- a few times in past episodes, and I honestly never really cared that much to to dive deep into them, and mm. yet. Now I'm in that same predicament where 
I'm in Sri Lanka. I see this fat, you know, fancy brochure for the new Doucette Tani that's, that's uh, yeah. being built. And the, um, the rates for as an investment just keep going up. And I, and, and I got so excited that I put down a $5,000 deposit. It's refundable until I go see the place. But now I want to dive in. I want to ask you about your investments and I want to discuss this one. Well, I'm excited to hear about this place that I'm going to be able to frequent anytime I go to Sri Lanka. Mm. So uh, I'm all about you buying it. Don't do any due okay. diligence. Just put the money down and uh-huh. send me over the keys. Okay. <laughs> Same with your uh, Phuket places. Uh, speaking of which, are they actually built yet? Yeah. So I'll give you the, the status update on those. There, there's two properties that I've invested in Phuket specifically um, for longtime listeners you, you, this will probably sound familiar, but one of them is already built. It was finished about a year and a half, two years, yeah, about two years ago now. Uh, that's in Surin Beach. Yeah, just, so Surin Beach is basically just north of Kamala, which is just north of Patong and the other ones down south. Okay. Uh, the other one was actually in K- Kamala. Um, and this one is like, man, this was like the works, you know, Hemalai. Kamala is like this massive uh, 600 kind of 600 room resort multi-level uh, complex and that one I, I did like you put down to deposit end up paying 30 percent uh, in different stages and they were two years behind development schedule um, and uh, end up spending the la- whole last year in legal conflict with them, just trying to get my money back. Cause every time I go down, you know, you, you email them and they're like, and you get this bullshit, right? You get some Italian guy that just picks up the phone and just, just, just lies to you about the status of everything. And then I send a friend in Phuket to go look at it. And like, they haven't even broke ground yet, dude. Wow. <laughs> like, okay. So, um, uh, that one, long story short, that ended. Um, I got my money back, but it cost me about four or 5,000 in legal fees to fight it and a lot of stress over the last year. But mm-hmm. uh, I've gotten all my money back out of that. I ended up getting about 70,000 back. Um, but that, that one doesn't yeah. look like it might, it might not ever finish. It might not ever finish. And that's the big, that's the story here is when yeah. you buy pre-construction, as I've done all my, I got three, uh, three places in Chiang Mai and I, you know, two in Phuket, all five of those were pre-construction. Mm-hmm. Four of them ended up well, and one of them was a failure. And that's, that's part of the risk you take when buying pre-construction. Yeah. yeah. Makes sense. And, and also, you know, the, the place might look great and sure, but once it's built, it might be shoddy quality. It might be, you know, crappy furniture. And then what do you do? Right. Exactly. And, and man, there's, when you buy something that is built, there's a bit of certainty to that. When you buy something that's pre-construction, to your point, you don't know what you're getting. Uh, I learned a lot about like just the placement of where you want your condo to be. Like you don't want your condo or your unit to be next to an elevator because if you get some really annoying elevator, or you get a, a noisy floor. They're like in, in Siri, you know, Siri and Chiang Mai, right, mm-hmm. Chiang, Johnny? If yeah. you're by, if you're one of those units that are across from the elevator, it sucks, man that beeping yeah. starts going off early in the morning. People are standing there. The walls are thin that if you hear, if people are standing out by the elevators, you can hear their entire conversation at 6am. So you little things like this, 
there's a there's an element of risk when buying pre-construction. Um, also, pricing. You know, one of the big reasons to buy pre-construction is you're getting a, a discount, right? You're getting a mm-hmm. you know twenty percent off of what prices will be. Uh, I can tell you, all of the places I've bought in Thailand, I bought pre-construction thinking I was getting a thirty percent discount, and it's true that I did get a discount to what a lot of people paid uh, going up to the, the the finalization of that building and the different stages, but there's no way I could sell those places now, which is still six, seven years later uh, for the same price that I bought them for. Maybe I could get the same, but I'm definitely not getting an increase uh, wow. on those properties. So just because you buy pre-construction doesn't mean you're going to get a discount. It, it, you know, there's too many other variables that depend on the market and timing and things like that. Yeah. And as far as an investment, have you actually, have you been getting checks from it and has it actually you know, like if, if you're really going to calculate kind of the cash on cash returns, yeah. what do you think they would be? Okay. So put, a, put aside the one that has, was a failure, but I at least got my money back. Big mm-hmm. learning experience. Uh, but that was one of those programs. It was like 7% guaranteed for five years. Uh, you know, I, I did it top to bottom with an attorney, did the due diligence, et cetera. And so that, that one's gone. That one's I got the money back. It's out. So the other one in Phuket's Sixth Avenue, uh, the funny thing with this one was I literally did the deal over five mojitos and a handshake at a bar in Phuket with a developer. It was the stupidest thing you could possibly do. But I'd like, I basically just had my exit and I was like <laughs> trying to make moves. Uh, but you know, it was a, with a credible guy uh, that I had a really good feeling about. It was a Thai, you know, half Thai, half, half Belgian guy. Uh, I was the first buyer in the building. They hadn't broke ground. All they had was the concepts and the plans. I was the first person to buy a unit. Um, got a sweetheart of a deal. And they finished that one on time. But this was another one of those rental programs, Johnny. 7%, but they only offered it for two years. Well, what happened in those first two years was other developments started building around that building. Mm-hmm. And they tore up all the roads. They tore Ooh. up all the roads. There's no paved roads. It was, it was nasty, muddy roads. And the, the buses, the tour buses couldn't get in. And, and, and in fact, the roads were flooded so often that people couldn't get in. So the first two wow. years development, there was basically no one staying there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what happened to that 7% guarantee? Well, they emailed everyone are like, you know, because of X, Y, and Z was out of our control. And, you know, we're not getting paid these, these two years but also we can't pay you, but we're, but oh, just no. so you know, we're not taking one. So everyone's like, what, what, you know, what the fuck are we going to do? Like yeah. sue the building, you know, and, and they're going to go bankrupt. They have uh-huh. to pay out stuff like this. So everyone's just like, wow, I'm, I assume everyone just did like me. It was just like sitting on their hands, like whatever, like this was sort of <laughs> foreseeable. Um, yeah. But since happy to report that, you know, that I was hoping to get, eight percent a year uh, on the investment uh, and after the first two years you know there is a ramp up period with these places mm-hmm. the first year they, they launch and open up it's not going to be massive you know you got to get those reoccurring people that are coming back every year just like any business and uh, right now i think last year even with covid knocking off two of their prime months you know february march uh, it still paid out about five percent okay 
And overall, I'm, I'm really happy with it, man. I, I have okay. to say, I'm, that one I'm really happy with. It's like, it's zero maintenance, zero thought. I don't think about it at all during the year. I just get a check at the end of the year, basically. Nice. And are they paying you into a, like a Thai bank account and Thai bot or into US dollars? Yeah, it's another benefit. Um, it's pretty flexible. Uh, originally, when I bought the place, I'd said, how are you paying out? And he's like, well, just you know, let me know. I'm like, can I come down to Phuket and just get my payout in cash? He's like, yeah, it's like, just whatever. Just <laughs> let me know. Um, I haven't done that yet, but that was kind of the original idea is I was like, fly down to Phuket, use the place for a couple of weeks, grab the cash, you know, be like whatever <laughs> amount cash, enough, enough to live on in Thailand for a couple of months. Uh-huh. And just live off that cash for a couple months. Okay, that'd be fun. Um, but let's go down the suitcase. Your, yeah, to answer your question, <laughs> yeah, more specifically, it's uh, they just pay out Thai bot to whatever account. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. But okay, uh, and how how many days a month are you allowed? I mean, or a year are you allowed to use the property? Or could you stay there the whole whole year if you wanted to? Yeah, you you could stay there the whole year if you want if if you're not putting it into the rental pool. So the way this is set up, it's like, I'll leave a link in the show notes it's called Sixth Avenue Phuket. It's proper, you know, proper resort, rooftop pool, massive gym, you know, restaurant, close to the beach type of thing. So they, they rent it out as a hotel, um, typical units like studios on up to kind of small two bedrooms, right? Like you'd find in most hotels, mm-hmm. uh, or m- most resorts anyways. And they, yeah, so most people are buying these as investments, so they're buying it and then they're putting it in the rental pool. You're allowed to use it, I believe, three weeks a year. Um, and you can, you know, it can be you using it, you can let me use it, you can let family use it. And the only thing is that it can't be during high season. So high season in Phuket is January to March. Okay. Uh, so you can, use, you can use it outside of that. And when you use it, you have to pay like the cleaning fees, which ends up being like, I don't know, you know, 10 or 15 bucks a night type of thing. Okay. Um, you can use it longer. Like you can use it uh, throughout the, the regular season. And I think you get 50% off the rates. So it's still, you know, if you want to use it high season, it's still, it's still a good deal. Um, and you can use it all year. You just wouldn't put it in the rental pool. Uh, you know, you just keep it, you could live in it, you know, you could live in it. Okay. You, could, you could rent it out yourself. You could do whatever you want. So, if you were to sell it today, do you think you, you can get all your money back? Do you think it went up? Uh, like, how do you think that appreciated? I, I don't think I could get my money back. Uh, the second market for these type of resort condos that you own is, is not high. Um, you, you would have to, like people wouldn't buy these to live in it, right? They're, they're not they're not like big, nice two bedroom apartments you would live in. They're, they're something you go and you, you vacation in for a week or something. So people are buying these as an investment. Um, and you would have to, you know, everything goes back to the return, right? So mm-hmm. if you're only getting a three or 4% return, people are going to value, extrapolate mm-hmm. that and figure out what, what they're willing to pay for it. So, yeah, I think if there was, you know, three or four years of historic returns that showed this was making seven or 8%, then you, it would justify the price that I, I paid. But, um, but until that goes up, and that's, that's the value proposition, right? Is that over the course of a decade, rent goes up, more customers are coming back and the returns continue to grow. And at that point, as long as the building's 
you know, not old and decrepit, you should be able to, to resell it. But I haven't heard of anyone really having much success in reselling these, these type of places on a, on a second market. Yeah. So, so these are kind of my, my concerns on, on, on buying this place is, you know, even though you, you like your properties, like cash on cash, you would have made you know, way more money um, investing in somewhere else. And mm-hmm. in the U S you know, I, I try to find some other programs that are similar to see how, how they did in the U S there's the hard rock, uh, the hotel in San Diego that actually had a program like this. And I was reading um, some forums on, on how people did. And, you know, uh, it was a great concept, you know, to own you know, a room at the Hard Rock Cafe or the Hard Rock Hotel. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a lot of people liked it for the benefit of being an owner and being able to have the cachet and being able to, to go there, you know, on a weekend or something and, and tell everyone, you know, tell all the girls in the pool that they own one of the units or they're part owner of the hotel. So there's all these, you know, all these perks, like, you know, you, you get access to like the owner's lounge and all the stuff. Um, but the actual returns, you know, weren't that high. And a lot of it was just because, you know, the hotel had overestimated how much they were going to make, how much they were going to pay out uh, as they do. Right? Sounds, sounds like a common story. <laughs> yeah. And this one in particular, they said that, you know, the, the management was uh, mismanaging funds. Uh, another example is the Ritz Carlton residences, which are actually all over the U.S. You know, they have them in uh, a few of them in Florida. They have them, um, you know, Beverly Hills. They basically all over the U.S. And it's a very similar program as well, where you can live there full time, uh, or you can rent, you know, put into. I believe you can put into the rental program. Not really sure, but it also seems like the secondary market for them, you know, aren't that aren't that great. And both places have super high carrying costs where the HOA on super them. Super high, yeah. Yeah, because, you know, it's a full service hotel. They're like $1,500 a month. It's, <laughs> it's, it, it's, a tr- it's a tough investment decision, right? Because these are not, all right, Risk Carlton's a bit different. You could live in that. Like if you're ever just like, you know what, I don't want to rent it out. I'm not making that much money. If it's in a good location, yeah, you could you could live in a Ritz Carlton, but you don't want to live in my resort in Phuket. And I would gather that you probably don't want to live in this place in Sri Lanka where you're staying mm-hmm. because you don't want to live in a hotel. You know, you want a vacation there for a week or two weeks and and not worry about things. But if you were staying there for three months, I mean, you have somebody new checking into you <laughs> every other day. It's annoying. Yeah, um, you, you're living with vacationers. So if you have to decide on, is this a place that you, if you're doing it strictly for money, I haven't seen any of these have been a, a, a good, good value or anyone that's been screaming that they've, they've made, they've done really well with these. Uh, I think you'd actually do better in like, say like in my places in Chiang Mai, that style where you can rent it long-term. Yeah, I can make seven or 8% if I rent those all year, but also it's a nice place to live because it's not a hotel. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, <laughs> Or there's like these Ritz-Carlton properties. If you could do it for like an alternative motive, like we we're talking about um, living abroad and stuff, you know, Ritz-Carlton has one that's also in um, St. Kitts, and you mm-hmm. buy that place, or you buy a fractional ownership in that, you get citizenship, and then you have citizenship, you have an investment, and you have a place that you can vacation. So yeah. then it starts it starts making more sense, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, in my experience, these these investment resorts they're they're kind of cool in concept I, I did this one really as a learning experience and also to have a place to be able to 
vacation or allow friends and family to use. And it has, it served that purpose. Um, so I would say that I'm happy with it. I, I can say that, but it's also not like a pillar of my investment portfolio, right? I'm not relying on that income. If, if I, if this was 10% of my investment portfolio, I never would have done it. Um, but there's, you know, there's, there's, there's benefits to it, but there's can also be a lot that goes wrong. Like if you, if you yeah. look at the two that I've done on this level, one's gone completely, you know, head over. So, and, and that could have ended up really badly if I hadn't done everything, buttoned everything up with an attorney. Yeah. Um, I could, you know, who's, who do we know that had a total wipeout down in Kotal? Uh, someone in our network made an investment down in Kotal. They put a $50,000 deposit down and the developer just bounced. Oh man. Um, yeah. So you, you really need, you need to, you need to know who you're getting into business with. You need to have attorneys check this stuff. Mm. You need to look at like, if you're interested in this place, Johnny, figure out who this developer is and how many other projects they have going on at once. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was a big mistake that I made in this one. They had this, this developer, first off, it was a foreigner uh, developing in Thailand, which does just, it just, that never smells right. right? You have an mm-hmm. Italian guy doing big property development in Thailand. I don't like that. Um, but he also had five other projects down in Phuket and Samui going on at the same time and none of them were completed. Yeah. That's massive risk, right? Yeah. That's and that's what's happened. None of those, none of them are completed now. So there's little things you get. A good attorney would know how to identify this stuff. Mine didn't look for that stuff, but we still did the paperwork well enough that we were able to get the money back. Okay. Well, so the place I'm looking at on paper, it seems great. And I'll, obviously I'll have an attorney check, check it out um, before I actually pay for it. If I, if I do go for it. Mm-hmm. But what I like about it is that it's 7% guaranteed, but even during construction, which is something that normally I never hear about. And that gets rid of the risk of, you know, what if it takes, you know, three, two, three, four years for them to finish. Um, they've already, not only have they broken ground, they have the whole foundation up already. So you can actually go to the 20th floor and, and you can see your exact, you know, see view. Uh, so all that's there. And it's uh, developed by Tuset Tani, which has a bunch of properties in Thailand, uh, all you know, uh, highly rated. So I know the company itself is good, uh, mm-hmm. and they ha- and they're partnered with um, some big banks in Sri Lanka, who's basically guaranteeing them out. And they have a buyback guarantee at the end of the seven years, where they'll they'll buy it back for a hundred percent of your purchase price. So. In theory, the reason why I, I've been interested in it is you can, you know, put, you know, I can park my money there, get 7% from day one for the next seven years, sell the unit back uh, either at, at a premium if it's going for more or for exactly how much I paid for it and, and you know, just have that, that uh, the 7%. And I can use the place for three weeks a year for free with no cleaning costs, you know, and, and very little blackout period. It's only during Christmas and three, New Year's. three months, three months. A uh, year? No, no, sorry. Three weeks a year. Three weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. That's, that's, that all sounds very standard to, I feel like this model was sort of originated in Thailand because I, mm-hmm. I haven't found, I haven't found too many places where, uh, where this is being offered and in Thailand it's everywhere. And, when I was looking through that Dusat Tani, I was like, man, this all looks, it looks like it's a Thai, um, it's being developed in Thailand, but it's also because it's a Thai developer. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But I would say like, look, all that stuff sounds great. That's the reason why I invested. But in my experience, the contracts are baked with loopholes that like forced may whore. Like if there's, you know, a go- ungodly event like COVID, for instance, uh, like they can get out of this, a lot of these things, but really what they'll just, you know, it's like the issue that I had where they built the building and then it's another developer tore up the roads and they're like, what do you want us to do? Like it's out of yeah. our control and everyone's just kind of capitulates. So I would, you know, that, even though they're a big developer with a good brand, I wouldn't rely on all those things. That's sort of a best case scenario that all those things are going to be easy for you to execute on, like selling the, the property back after seven years. Yeah. Um, so, so, so the, the, the downsides and the reason why, the reasons why I haven't fully committed yet is mm-hmm. one is, it's, you know, probably the worst possible time with, with COVID and not knowing uh, if tourism is going to open back up. Um, However, it's, it's not horrible timing because it's, it's supposed to take them another year and a half to finish anyways. And hopefully yeah. by then, tourism's back. You know, Sri Lanka's a growing market. So I, I do think that, you know, they would do well. Um, and, but the, and right now, a big part of it is I have a hundred grand sitting in my account and I don't know where to put it because I don't, you know, I think, I think the stock market in the U.S. is overvalued. Uh, real estate in the U.S. I don't trust right now either. So it's kind of like this weird situation where I don't know where else to put that money. I would almost, you know, rather trust it uh, getting seven percent here in Sri Lanka than, yeah, um, you know, than risk it in the U.S. So it is kind of a, a weird situation. Oh man, I, I feel like this is this or something similar is going to be great for you because I think you're at the point now where you know where you want to spend time. Uh, having a place abroad, in my experience, has been a, a fantastic experience. It's made me it made me feel a little bit more anchored to that place. Uh, if you want to do the bona fide foreign resident uh, and, and spend a little bit more time in the U.S., owning a place abroad where you're going to spend, you know, three, four, five, six months a year makes sense. This also gives you a currency hedge. You're going to be making money in in Sri Lankan dollars. You can go there and pick up the cash and spend it. But also, you're not you're not all in U.S. denominated. Uh, invest U.S. dollar denominated investments, and you know if you if you're gonna go and if you can spend a month there, like three weeks, you can squeeze into a month. You just I'm sure you just talk to them. Um, if you enjoy spending time there, I think it's you know I, I think it's great. Or or get a place like my place in at the Syrian Chiang Mai, something a little bit more similar to that, where you if you want you could spend five months there, right? And you can yeah. run it out the other five months, uh, and it's a little bit more livable. But I think something like this will, you know, I think you'll get, you'll get a lot of value out of it if it's in a place, like if, if you're set on Sri Lanka and you're happy to spend four or five months a year there, like I am in Chiang Mai, I think you'll, you'll really enjoy it. I think it'll be, I think it'll be a good experience. Appreciate it, buddy. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to get, I don't think I'm going to get the place. <laughs> I won't. <laughs> <laughs> I just talked you out of it somehow. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, if Sam Sam thinks it's a good idea, it's probably it's probably not a good investment. Well, well, one one other thing, man. This is this is hit home recently. So I, I just bought the place. I bought the place basically in Barcelona and, and USA at the same time. So now it's like it's like eight properties I own now. But dude, the 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 carry cost and the carry bandwidth in the brain of the Thai properties it's 
almost zero. Like I, I honestly don't even know who's paying like the water bills mm-hmm. and electricity bills because it's such a small number. Uh-huh. Like I think the receptionist is just paying it. And when I get back, she'll be like, oh, Sam, I pay, you know, whatever. Dude, like the U.S. property, I just found out that, all right, the, the POA is like one thing. And then I got to pay property tax. Then I got to pay insurance. I just found out the to, to water the lawn mm-hmm. <laughs> each month is like four hundred dollars. Oh my god! <laughs> Why? Because uh, you know, like the sprinkler, the grass. Oh like, god! These are things I had no idea about, right? For, like four hundred dollars between someone mowing it and, and watering it. Yeah. You, so you need to you I'm need to like, convert that into um into some gravel or something. Oh uh, yeah, no, I'm already yeah I'm becoming a landscaping architect overnight like that stuff is all getting torn up i'm not no chance that's the type of thing it's like you're in Chiang Mai and you're like paying a 400 hundred dollar water bill back home in the u.s and you're like oh this is this is yeah cool. it's like a it's anyways, not 400 my, baht in, in 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 thailand it's like you know it's, it's like four dollars in thailand a yeah month. yeah no so the, this is the point is like carrying a house in the western world especially in the u.s a house it's like it's insane it's it bills coming in all the time um in spain it's a little bit better because you pay the property tax up front i mean you can argue if it's better or worse but you, you pay basically a 10 percent transfer fee which is like your property tax um and there's a little property tax each year but it's it's small it's like under a thousand bucks um so that's that's a little bit better but in thailand like my property in phuket I I don't get any bills on that. I'm not even sure how it works. I don't get any bills, but at the end of the year, they're like, okay, you made X, $7,000, and you owe 1400 in the sinking fund, common fees, whatever. They're like, do you just want us to deduct that from what we owe you? I'm like, yeah. And then they pay me out whatever the difference is. So I l- literally, I could, you know, I could fall asleep for a year and wake up and I – I didn't have to pay anything. I didn't have to think about that property. And that is just a beautiful thing, man. Uh, uh, yeah. Because I'm telling you like this home ownership in the U S it's, it's a different, you know, it's bills coming in everywhere. So I'm learning all this stuff now, but yeah, um, but the you know, property ownership over there, you don't have, you don't have property tax in Thailand. So yeah, it's, it's nice. It's real nice. Yeah. I was shocked when my parents told me that their water bill is $170 a month. <laughs> And like, they don't even have a lawn and like, and like my parents are super stingy with water too. <laughs> like they're taking like three minute showers and it's insane. You know, like I'm paying 300, you know, 30 bucks a month to live at a hotel, including, you know, Wi-Fi, electricity, water, gas, uh, and weekly cleaning. And it's like the, the cost benefits of being abroad in a cheap country like Thailand or like, Sri Lanka, or there's so many others, you know, Eastern Europe, Ukraine, Poland. Mm-hmm. It's, and, you know, arguably it's a, it's a higher standard of living in, in some ways, you know, maybe not as luxurious or as, you know, as convenient, um, you know, having a huge house, but the, you know, being able to live in the city center or block from the beach and having someone come clean your house or having someone, you know, uh, garden and uh, clean the pool, and not have to worry about any of that to me is such a huge benefit. You know, I'm spending less than a thousand five hundred dollars a month on on average living, uh, you know, around the world, 
traveling, mm-hmm. you know, seeing all these cool places, you know, some months I'm spending 800 bucks and all that is going to my, my savings and my investments. So, you know, that's how I have our eight, you know, like an 80 or 90% savings rate and <laughs> not having to pay taxes on this. It's just, it's such a good deal that I encourage everyone to just try it out for a year. It's, it's worth sacrificing, you know, whatever, whatever's holding you guys back. Yeah. God, 90% savings rate. That must be, uh, that must be nice. Um, <laughs> yeah, there, I, I do think one of the best feelings in the world is just living, being, being, uh, you know, being able to pack everything that you need into a backpack mm-hmm. and be able to work from a computer and just not have stuff around you, not have all this, this stuff that requires maintenance and taking care of and organizing and stuff. And just like, you just have so much time to think and just do what you want. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a beautiful thing. Like, even if you just do it for a couple weeks a year, but I mean, obviously like you, Johnny, you're doing it all year. It's, uh, it's hard to come back and start accumulating stuff like I'm doing now in the, in the States. Um, but yeah, I would definitely encourage everyone to, to try it out. It's a, it's a beautiful peace of mind that uh, is, is hard to replicate. Yeah. Uh, so I, I want to quickly answer one of the Patreon questions. Uh, if you guys haven't joined our Patreon group yet, we post our show topics as soon as we know who the guest is or what the topic is for the next week. And that way you can ask questions and we'll answer them on the shows. Uh, so this week, David Swanners asks, what are your personal pros and cons of nomading using Airbnb and short-term furnished rentals? Also, what circumstances would it make sense to buy a unit for your personal residence? Sam, uh, you want to go first? Sure. I think for for me that that, that all plays in uh, into itself. In that, about two years ago, I just got burned out of not having a home and just nomading around Airbnb to Airbnb, hotel to hotel. I, I love that lifestyle, but at some point, like something just triggered in me that said, "I need a, I need a base." Um, and so I think we discussed reasons why you might want to buy a place abroad or anywhere. But I think having a home base, you know, they say a man's house is his castle. And I've really enjoyed the experience of, of ownership, uh, you know, getting off a plane in Chiang Mai and having a closet there and having a place that's basically maintenance free, headache free all year uh, so that when I'm not there, it doesn't, you know, it, it's, it's not costing me anything. And, um, it's not, it's not weighing on my mind. So I think it's, you know, I think after some point you need to, you need to get a place and you should have a place in your primary place. For me, that's Chiang Mai. Maybe it becomes Barcelona in the future. Yeah. Good answer. Uh, I would say to add on to that, the, the main benefits of having a, a place, you know, buying a place is that certainty of knowing you have a place that you go back to your stuff is there that you don't have to you know, think about it. And if you buy it right, there's the potential appreciation. Um, you know, you're hedging against uh, rents, you know, rent prices going up, but in most cases, in most of these areas, especially with condos, because foreigners usually cannot own land. We can only own uh, condos it's financially, it almost never makes sense. Like in Chiang Mai, the rent prices are so cheap that it just doesn't make sense to, to own. And it, it makes way more sense to, to rent a place. Uh, another benefit is if you're only there for three months a year, why pay for the place for 12? You know, it financially makes way more sense to, 
to book a place and, and just pay for the months you're going to be there and not, you know, not double pay, you know, whether it's in the U S and abroad or, you know, paying for a place uh, in Thailand or in Sri Lanka, you know, the whole year when you're not going to be there. For me, I really love, you know, staying places month to month, you know, for one, two or three months at a time and having that flexibility of leaving or, or moving uh, if I want and financially makes so much sense. Uh, but for a while I was also having that, that kind of conundrum of missing, you know, a home base and things. Uh, the only thing that really helped that was I went to that, that date with destiny conference uh, with Tony Robbins. And there I really, you know, sat down for seven days and, and, and thought like, why do I need the certainty? Why do I need things? Why do I need um, stability in my life? <laughs> and that actually that $5,000 conference has, has helped ended up saving me a lot of money uh, being happy, you know, living on a bag and embracing the uncertainty and not having stuff. Cause once you have a place, you will buy stuff and stuff will end yep. up owning you and dictating your life way, way faster than, than, than you expect. That I completely agree with you. Yeah. So I uh, hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Uh, highly encourage everyone to take advantage of these tax breaks. If you can, it is hard. It is, it will, it, you know, it was a, a difficult journey for both Sam and I and pretty much all the nomads that, that we've met. Um, but it was worth it. Like financially, it's been the best thing I've ever done. I've uh, been able to see the world, have all these cool experiences and a lot of cool friends uh, and stress levels, you know, living out of these short-term rentals uh, monthly, it, my stress levels are almost zero. So I don't, you know, I, I, I miss out on not, owning, you know, a bunch of stuff, you know, I can't have 10 pairs of shoes. It can only carry around two or three, but in the day it's worth it. I agree. And, and I'll just add on to outside of the tax benefits, you just really encourage everyone to take advantage of this, this period of life because COVID has, has been rough, but it has also given birth to a golden age in remote work and flexible workspace, flexible, uh, work habits, f flexible living. So get out there. You know, I think as Johnny said, prices are going to equalize in places. There's just no way that Ukraine, Thailand, Sri Lanka, places like this are going to be this cheap forever. Uh, so get out there, enjoy it, work remote if, if you can for two weeks or for two years and see the world and enjoy, enjoy some great cultures and great places out there. And also wanted to thank everyone. Listen, we're almost 400 five-star reviews in the U.S., Johnny. Woo. I think we're 10 away. Uh, so I really, you know, we, we, we appreciate it. It's, uh, it's been a journey. And if you guys want to make our August, if we can get over 400, uh, we'd be super, super appreciative. All right. I love it. So uh, guys, please hop on the podcast app wherever you're, you're listening. S search for Invest Like a Boss. Leave us a five-star review. We really appreciate it. Patreons, we thank you so much. Keep those questions coming. Uh, the next topics are already in the Patreon group, so you can ask there what you want to hear. And you know, if you guys want to come hang out here in Sri Lanka, uh, I may or may not have a place by this time next year. So we'll see. <laughs> Johnny, you need to get a place. It's just so we can swap uh, we, we can swap stays at each other's. Right now, it's a bit one-sided. Uh, I actually haven't stayed at any of your places yet. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. 
but the, but the potential is there. So okay, I love next it, buddy. year, Barcelona, Chiang Mai, and South Carolina, buddy. We can uh, we'll get in backpacks and just nomad around my places together. Yeah, yeah. I, t- I tell you what. Uh, anytime you want to come to Sri Lanka, I'll, I'll rent you a uh, a ten dollar a night place here. <laughs> Sounds lovely after this four year uh, living in hotels in America. <laughs> <laughs> All right, welcome, buddy. I'll, I'll talk to you later. All right, you guys. Okay, see you, Johnny. See you, bosses. Thanks for listening to the Best Like a Boss podcast. Join our mailing list at bestlikeaboss.com to get exclusive access to our insider investment portfolios and our private members forum. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Tell your friends and leave us a review in the iTunes store. It helps more than you know. See you guys next week.